Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. Saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code RTFP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. 18 plus 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligible restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented by our patrons. These are the diehards that like to show a little love and support for the network, for the show, and they like the virtual happy hours, another one of which is coming up soon, patreon.com slash RT Media. Today's patron shout-out, Brother Roz. That's that's his name on, on our private Slack channel. That's how he signed up on patreon.com slash RT Media. Brother Roz. So, Brother Roz, not only do you get the shout-out, you get the signed picture if you send me your address. You get to ask me any question if you'd like. And you get to be a part of our awesome private Slack channel and virtual happy hours. Another one of which is coming up soon. Like I said, we will still have our normal customary spread the word winner each week. You guys know that it's a very little thing that goes a very long way for us when you give us the retweets, the likes, at Ross Tucker NFL. At RTF Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole deal. We'll also have a sponsor confirmation email winner. You take advantage of any of the sponsors we have for you over at RossTucker.com. And boom, you're in. You're automatically entered. As long as you forward me the uh, receipt and you can ask a question, any question, and I will answer. We'll get to at least one question today. Why not? It's a Wednesday. You know what that means. Andrew Brandt, a lot to get to, right? The NFL schedule, the salary cap ramifications of a shortened season that he wrote about, raised debt limits. What does it all mean? Nobody knows unless they have Andrew Brandt on their podcast every Wednesday like we do. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Andrew, before we get into all the schedule stuff, and your SI story on the salary cap in California versus Arizona and what an amazing time this is for business of sports. I don't know if it's an amazingly good time, but it's an amazing time. I did want to ask what your reaction has been that you've gotten from your two-part interview with David Falk on the Business of Sports podcast. Yeah, thanks, Ross. It was nice to have, as I said last week, my former boss, my first boss, my mentor, getting into the business, David Falk, on the podcast. Got some nice uh, emails, comments, 
sort of saying this is fantastic content where you get to see, I know everyone's seeing Michael Jordan in all his glory on these uh, documentary parts, but David really goes inside, you know, spends 10 minutes talking about the Nike meeting where they hatched Air Jordan and how hard it was to get Michael out there because he didn't want to be with Nike. And then he goes into a lot of discussions about Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, versus Jerry Krause, the GM, what went on with the gambling. He's very honest and open about it. And I think one thing that resonates with people is like, again, you and I are media, so I hesitate saying this, but David is like, who cares what a lot of these media think about Michael Jordan? I mean, they're just media, you know? And he said, now Michael Wilbon... And this guy, Mark Vansel, who wrote a couple books with Jordan, and um, and David Aldridge, you know, that's different. They know him like a book. But, you know, I guess David, and I'm guessing David's talking to Michael, and, you know, it's just, it really comes out in the podcast how the, the his problem with the documentary is... Who cares? You know, who cares what a bunch of media think about Michael Jordan who don't know him? And that really resonates. Wow, that's really interesting, Andrew. Really interesting. Encourage everybody to take a listen, especially those of you that have been watching the Last Dance documentary. What what was your initial reaction, Andrew? We always talk on Wednesdays. Last Thursday night, the NFL schedule came out, and there are some sort of hidden contingencies in there but maybe not as many or what people thought with like the first month of the season being all you know intra-conference games that's not the case any reactions to the schedule that came out last thursday night first the interest was high as always and it just seems this constant interest in nfl i don't even know if that would be different in a non-pandemic year there's always interest in the schedule release uh, but as always, it's leaked out before and even allowed to be leaked out the half hour before the release. So I kind of, again, maybe I'm not representative. I kind of find it hard to watch on TV because it's like, okay, we know it. And everybody's predicting these games, but who knows? I think the bigger picture, as you asked, is what, what happens. And the way I saw it, it looked like a robust week one, and then sort of all the things you talked about, okay, the week two teams have all the same buys, week three and four looks like a lot of interconference. It almost seemed like, okay, you know, you can throw out week one, and if things are, are fuzzy with the virus and how we protect it, maybe we go away from that week one. I guess you could also push week one back whenever you need to. So yes, everything's negotiable. And you just hear that the Super Bowl's first week of February, but the Super Bowl could as, could easily be the last week of February. And that tells you something there, that we have this month to play with, depending on what happens. But big picture, Ross, I mean, we're, we're in a time right now where it's kind of go time for other leagues, not the NFL. And I tweeted this yesterday, Major League Baseball and NBA and NHL have gone from talking about playing amongst themselves 
to talking about playing with the players. And now it gets serious. Serious in the point of you got to figure out the money, and the money's the tough part. So here's my questions for you, Andrew. Let's get into that, including your wonderful story on Sports Illustrated about the timing of the players signing the CBA when they did, the salary cap, and what could be on the horizon in terms of working conditions as well as if there's less games. Yeah, I tried to sort of take a peek in. Again, this is what the other leagues that I don't cover and you don't cover are going through now. And it's really a preview of what the NFL is going to go through. Baseball, basketball, hockey going through it right now. Uh, So quickly, there's no force majeure clause in the NFL CBA. Uh, It only deals with international games, and that's not an issue right now. Um, There are nothing dealing with canceled games. That's really just about work stoppages and labor and strikes and lockouts, which aren't allowed. There is an accountability and care committee of jointly the NFL and NFLPA get together and figure out how to deal with locker rooms and conditions and fields and CTE and other health issues, which, of course, this is the health issue. I would think they would be engaged, are engaged right now dealing with what are we going to do about this. And then big picture, the CBA is set, right, for 2020. It's at $198 million, and contracts are set for players that have signed. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, I, I say that because everything's negotiable. If we start talking about the preview for 2021 and the cap going down, which never in my lifetime I would have thought an NFL cap going down from one year to the next, maybe there's negotiations ahead that lower the 2020 cap so that 2021 is not lowered or is lowered less this idea of smoothing and flattening based on lower revenues. Right now, it's hard to know what the lower revenues are going to be. If we have fanless games, you know, the NFL is in a better position than baseball and basketball because the NFL has so much of its revenues from media compared to ticket sales. But best guess, you lose ticket sales, 15 to 20% of total revenues. How does that get accounted for? with cap and player contracts? Will teams decide to take their own budget into account, you know, and cut players on veteran contracts, have lower payrolls this year? Uh, you know, the, the Bengals just offloaded $17 million with with Andy Dalton, those kind of things. So a lot ahead on that. And finally, I'll just wrap this up. You know, paragraph six of the player contract The way it reads is you get paid starting with the first game of the year in equal installments. If there's no first game of the year, it's hard to say how you get paid according to the contract. Now, that wouldn't affect bonuses, signing and roster bonuses, preseason roster. But the way the contract reads would favor an interpretation that you get paid if you play, period. Interesting, Andrew. Very interesting, what about what's going on with some of these states right now? Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting where California, none of the state schools will be enrolled in the fall, they said. 
and three months more, I, I believe, where they said no sports. And then Arizona, right next door, says, oh, yeah, sports can start here on Friday. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's like they're in two different galaxies, Andrew. What's your read on that and what it'll mean for the NFL and college football and anything? Yeah, and I keep saying this because the NFL and, to some extent, college football are fortunate compared to the other sports. Because we have to see what's going to happen. Is the NBA going to biosphere the players in Orlando or in Vegas? Is the Major League Baseball going to biosphere players in Arizona? Um, And how's that going to work? And could that be a model for the NFL? You know, the NFL is dealing with all these different jurisdictions. Here's what's really interesting to me, Ross. And Mike Tomlin talked about this this week. You know, do you open the facilities if some states can't? And you get the message from the Commissioner Goodell that yes, you know, we'll 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 just we're going to go. And if you're not open, I'm sorry. And I just think that goes against every fiber of the NFL right now. What do we have a salary cap for? Competitive balance. What do we have a draft for? Competitive balance. What do we have all these measures put in place? Free agency restraints, franchise tags, competitive balance. And here we are talking about non-competitive balance. And I think that, I guess that's a practical look at what has to happen, but that goes against everything the NFL stands for. You know, we have all these rules in place so that no one gets an advantage. And this is giving teams an advantage. And you wonder if the league is just thinking, oh, God, by, you know, by August, we'll be fine. (laughs) Because everyone will be in. But that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You mentioned it earlier, um, but... You know, with Major League Baseball and negotiations they're going through with the Bundesliga starting this weekend over in Germany, it does seem like the NFL uh, has really, from a timing perspective, it really couldn't be any better that in some of these cases, like the Bundesliga, they get three months to see how things shake out before the NFL would be close to playing games. Yeah, they're so fortunate. Can you imagine if what has happened in this country happened in November instead of March? It'd be the NFL that'd be completely disadvantaged, and every every other league would be watching and seeing what happens and sort of waiting. Maybe the NBA and NHL would, would be just starting, and they can wait. Um, baseball had it, would be it finished. So this is, yeah, this is what they're going to try to do. I think that we've talked about this before. I mean, it's the the public messaging of the NFL is full speed ahead. Um, and as far as I know it, they're saying with fans. I just think <laughs> they got to be a little more sensitive in their messaging, but, you know, that that's, been the NFL's mantra all along. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Andrew, was something I don't know a whole lot about, and that's the NFL voting, I guess, to raise the debt limits 
buy $150 million for this year. Can you explain what that is, why that is, and, and what it means? Not the expert, but I think I know that what this is all that same competitive balance mantra where teams are allowed to have borrowing limits. You know, there's a whole part of ownership that we don't talk about which is their finances and how they're leveraged and how their team is financed. And it's all accounted for by the NFL finance office. And there, as we know, the NFL is the one league that doesn't allow corporate ownership. And the NFL has this anachronistic view that we need one person at the table. And we've had issues with teams like the Titans and others about who is that person and the Broncos. And, what they have tried to do is limit the amount of debt that teams can secure so that they, they don't have these franchises over leveraged. They've raised that. And it's certainly related to the times that we're in and the anticipation of what we're talking about. Diminution of revenues, loss of ticket sales, loss of gate, needing more money, that's not going to come from the ticket sales. You know, Ross, a lot of these teams have pushed back the ticket deposits and the NFL has established a refund policy overall. So that money's got to come from somewhere and it's probably going to come from borrowing if these teams need it. So that's what, that's why that's been allowed. Very interesting. Andrew, terrific stuff as always. Really appreciate the time Highly encourage people to check out both part one last week and part two this week of your interview with David Falk, Michael Jordan's longtime agent, because it was excellent. And of course, you can check out Andrew always on Twitter as well, at Andrew Brandt. That podcast, of course, is called the Business of Sports Podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Ross. It's funny, every time, Bri, after we talk to Andrew... You know, he's like a die-hard workout guy. And I'm always thinking, you should have mentioned Beat Elite to him. He loves working out. Like, I mean, I love it too. But he's like a triathlon dude. And taking Beat Elite before your workout can help extend endurance, improve energy and stamina, and promotes oxygen efficiency throughout the body. Oxygen efficiency, that's what it's all about. I take it, so like if I get up really early, I don't always take it. But like on weekends, absolutely take it. And it just makes me feel like I'm 30 instead of 41. It's like the best way to describe it. I just feel a little better while I'm doing the workout. Anyway, do what I did. Take your game to the next level with Beat Elite by going to livehuman.com slash Tucker and get 20% off your first purchase. The team at Human is making this offer exclusive to my listeners only. You won't find a deal like this anywhere else. That's LiveHuman, H-U-M-A-N.com slash Tucker. LiveHuman.com slash Tucker. Tuck's Takes. 
Let's start today, Ross, with some transactions as the Titans signed veteran cornerback Jonathan Joseph, the Raiders inked cornerback Prince Mukamara, and rookie quarterback Tua Tagovailoa has signed his fully guaranteed deal, which will pay him over $30 million over the next four years. So we'll start with the, the two veteran corners. You know, this is what happens this time of year. So first of all, the teams are past the date whereby they uh, any signings would count for the compensatory pick formula. So that's number one. Number two, you know, they look at their roster, and obviously the Titans did not re-sign Logan Ryan. So like, okay, we're kind of short a corner. Vrabel knew Jonathan Joseph from his time in Houston. They've obviously played him twice last year and felt like even at his age, he could offer something. The Raiders felt like they needed a guy with the experience of Prince of Mukamara, who's ended up, you know, this is his 10th year. He's ended up having a nice career. Remember early in, early on it was bad and he was getting hazed because he was different and all that stuff. I'm, I'm really happy for him. I'm likewise, by the way, happy for Tua Tungo-Vailoa. I met him at the U.S. Army Bowl back, you know, whatever that was, three years ago, four years ago, and what a tremendous, happy, awesome young man. And after all the injuries he suffered, including the big one to the hip, I'm just, like, thrilled that he is getting that much money, $30 million fully guaranteed. No matter what happens, he's getting that money. And obviously, you know, he should be set for life and his family should be set for life, which is terrific. Other news includes ESPN reportedly poised to change the Monday Night Football booth yet again. Your former teammate Richard Seymour being inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame and legendary DL coach John Tierlink passed away at the age of 69. So... I'll just go in order. Looks like Joe Tessitore and my buddy Booger McFarland are out on Monday night football. Not much of a surprise. It wasn't a well-liked booth. There was a lot of criticism. I personally felt like it was a lot better than the year before with Witten in the booth. Like, a lot better. But, um, you know, they people didn't like him. That much. I will say it seems like there's more scrutiny on the Monday Night Football broadcasters than any other because they've been new recently. You know, like if if ESPN just had, I don't know, I'm making this up, but Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts do it, or any anybody that people are used to calling NFL games, there wouldn't be nearly the same scrutiny. But because they're new and everybody's watching at the same time. They're like easy targets. So we'll see. I hope they hire someone that's good at the job because that's what's important, although it sounds like they've been really, at least until this point, focusing on, you know, big names, high-priced guys. Don't often mention guys being inducted into the Team Hall of Fame, but as you guys know, Seymour is the best defensive lineman that I ever played with or against. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm glad he's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. He was an awesome football player whose statistics were mitigated by the scheme that he was asked to play. 
As for John Tierlink, it's interesting because Tierlink's scheme was typically the exact opposite of the Patriots. I mean, they were just flying upfield, wreaking havoc. And I actually became kind of friendly with him. He said he would listen to me on Sirius. So before games, he would just sit on the bench. And I'd sit next to him and just talk to him about stuff. And he would tell me different pass rush moves. And he was a large, large man. Huge man. But he had he would have guys, like for the spin move, he would have his guys get an ice pick and work on, like, using the ice pick backwards where you have to put that pick in something. And he felt like that was how they needed to end their spin move with that whip around and that arm that comes around like an ice pick and, and just frees him up at the end. He was, you know, they don't get hall of fame coaches really at from position coaches, but he's a guy that deserves some mention. Speaking of mention, by the way, we don't mention this often, but if you guys can rate and review the show, it really helps us. And in fact, if you rate and review the show and take a screenshot and send it to me, Ross at Ross com, you can ask me any question, perhaps like the question we have today. Brian, what do you got? Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address is ross at rosstucker.com. Any sponsor you take advantage of, anytime you become a patron, anytime you rate and review the show, you get to ask me a question. What do you got, Bri? All right. Hey, Ross. Uh, I heard my name last week on the RTFP as the sponsor confirmation winner. I'm very surprised. May I please ask for a signed player card? to go with the wonderful press pass you were so nice to send me. FYI, I am a football card collector. Uh, Here's my question. Knowing what you know now about CTE, you think you would still choose to play in the NFL after your Ivy League career? Hope you guys and your families are doing well during COVID-19. Thank you. Much respect for you both. That is from Tommy Kraft. That is an interesting question, Tommy. And the answer, and I think I've said this before, But the answer is that for right now, yes, I would. Right now, yes, I would still play in the NFL. But I reserve the right to change my mind in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But based on what I know now, absolutely. You know, I, I got... My dream came true. I got to live my dream. I mean, how many people really have their dream when they were 5 and 10 and 15 years old? How many people really have that come true? I did. And really, if you think about it, my whole life is as a result of playing in the NFL, uh, which I love my life, and... Everything's built kind of upon that, whether it's Go Big Recruiting or the whole podcast network. I mean, you guys aren't listening to the Ross Tucker podcast if I just played in college, I don't think, right? I mean, you're probably not. Let's be honest. So everything I have is kind of built around all the media gigs, the Eagles and Westwood One and Radio.com and everything. It's all built around the football. So yes, the more interesting aspect of that question, I think, 
is if I knew what I knew then, would I play differently? And how would that have impacted my performance? So I was extremely aggressive, extremely violent, um, and I used my head a lot, which I am nervous about, and I feel like I might have to pay the price for that later. You know, we didn't know at the time. I have a huge head, and I used to headbutt people a lot. So I'm 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 very worried about that. I try not to live my life worrying that too much about it because, you know, it's either going to happen to me, and so I spend all this time worrying about it only for it to happen. And that was a waste of worrying or it's not going to happen. And I spend all this time worrying about something that never happens, which is maybe even worse. So I, I try to keep up to date on treatments and, and where they're at with things. But other than that, I live my life and I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. <clears throat> I just wonder if I would have made the, if I would have played with the same level of ferocity, if I knew then what I know now, and if I would have been able to make a team without that level of ferocity. Sh- great question. Shout out to the White Label Group, Pizza Boy Brewing, NFLCliches.com, and DynastyFreaks.com. Today on the Even Money Podcast, how about going through the week one betting lines? Oh, it is going to feel so good, even if you're not into betting. Listen to me and Fezzik make our initial picks our initial week one bets should be amazing. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.